Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Great Sports Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my good friend, Father Richard Heilman, and our great guest tonight, Emma O'Regan. Before we get started, though, Father, can you please lead us in prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the, name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Father. And everybody out there, we want to thank you all, all the just tremendous supporters and, and those who encourage us in this work, the U.S. Grace Sports Podcast. Uh, again, tremendous. In the times that we're living in right now, your help, your support, your encouragement, your prayers mean everything to us. For those of you out there, especially who are our patrons to the Patreon program, thank you so incredibly much for your assistance and your help. If anybody's interested in becoming a patron, helping us out, please click the link in the description below. Go on out, take a look, pray about it, and know that you are in our prayers. Again, we can't thank you enough for your assistance. Also, don't forget to go out to the U.S. Great Sports official gear page. Take a look at our t-shirts and all the other great stuff we've got that helps spread the message, but also helps to support the work that we're doing here at the U.S. Grace Force. And thank you for that as well. Father, we have a great, amazing return guest. I'm going to let you set it up and introduce him and get the ball rolling. We are very excited. Uh, I, I want to start out, I, I get a little bio of, of here, Emmett. This is Emmett O'Regan, and he is the author of Unveiling the Apocalypse, The Final Passover of the Church amazing book. Uh, he's currently a PhD candidate studying Catholic theology at Loyola Institute, Trinity College, Dublin. Uh, after uh, graduating in 2006 with first-class honors, and uh, he won the uh, the Theology Prize Scholarship at the Institute of Theology at Queen's University, Belfast. He also won the Sean uh, O'Riordan uh, Scholarship at the Loyola Institute. Uh, Trinity College Dublin in 2019, as well as Loyola, Loyola, Loyola <laughs> what am I having trouble with that <laughs> word for? Uh, Trust uh, PhD scholarship in 2020. His writings have appeared in various publications, including Vatican Insider and the Catholic Truth Society. So uh, Emmett, I've known you for, I, I think, quite a while now because uh, yeah, we actually like for a while got a group together on social media and started discussing yeah. All this, all these things. I consider Emmett one of the leading uh, experts in the world in the area of um, of, of prophecy. Uh, what, what, what would you? What else would you call it? Uh, the end times, Emmett. Yeah, uh, es eschatology, Catholic eschatology. Eschatology. Yep. Yeah. 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 And uh, and we've had just fascinating conversations. And uh, but before I go on, I want to give a special welcome uh, to my mole. Uh, mm -hmm. I what I'm saying there is that I came to find out uh, a while ago that there's someone who, I, I don't know if they're sitting in their basement or what, but they got a notepad and they're writing down things they can accuse me of and then <laughs> sending it to the secular media. So, so welcome, Mole, to our programs. <laughs> it does the same thing with my uh, homilies and, and, uh, and also my writing. So welcome, Mole. Anyways, so we're very excited. And, and Emmett, you and I, started a conversation up earlier this week because uh, I proposed something. I actually uh, uh, I actually talked about this in my homily this weekend on Assumption, Assumption uh, the Feast of the Assumption, 
But um, where we had the readings, and I, this is amazing, uh, and this is true. Earlier in the week last week, I said, you know, I would really like to talk about the Magnificat th this next weekend, this because it's our parish feast day, and I'd like to talk about Revelation 12. And I thought, how am I going to work that in? So I, I, I finally sat down and, and took a look at what the readings were for, this, for that Sunday. And it was the Magnificat in the Gospel and Revelation 12 in the first reading. So there you have it. Uh, so the Spirit was just kind of working with me on that. Anyway, I, I just started looking at, at uh, the idea that, you know, we had the Revelation 12 sign in the sky uh, back in 2016 uh, through till 2017. Uh, and I can talk about that a little later. But um, but if you, then if you look at the book of Revelation where the sign appears in the sky, then one would logically say, uh, well, then we're in the rest of the story of Revelation 12. So I kind of put that out to you because you're such an expert in all this, right, uh, Emmett? And you, uh, you know, you, you, you had a, um, a positive uh sense of, of what I was talking about, but then you went into what you've been saying and all this, and especially uh, the, um, oh, what's the name of the word that we use? Um, the kateakon. The kateakon, right, the kateakon. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I just, I, I was really fascinated by all this, but you kind of wove that into what we're talking about here. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be quiet here, but uh, Emmett, maybe we could start with you kind of filling out in a way that our, our viewers can really understand what is the Kateakon and how does it apply to the times that we're living in right now? Okay, yeah, the Kateakon is the restraining force which holds back the, uh, the appearance of the Antichrist in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay. So St. Paul talks about um, why does it do that? Do you know? It's so St. Paul's saying about why um, the the second coming is being delayed. Okay. And he he talks about this restraining force which is holding back the appearance of the Antichrist. And so, uh, Emmett, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. I want to I want to help us all understand as you're going along here. But so the Antichrist is uh is is alive and well. But we can't recognize it because of the Kateakon is 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 no, holding back. Yeah, some people believe that um, the Kateakon, uh, because he's holding back the appearance of the Antichrist, that um, it, it's probably a negative thing. Through because then it's you're you're holding back the Perusia of Christ. Through so it's you want to be bringing on the Perusia through. Um, it's Maranatha. You, know, you want the second coming to, to be here and now. But um, it's, so some people would say it's, a, it's probably a negative thing, the Catechon. But when you look at um, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, what it actually says about the restraining force and what is being held back, it's um, the thing that's holding back the appearance of the Antichrist is the the future conversion of the Jews, which appears in the wake of the fullness of the Gentiles. So if you look at uh, Romans 11, through St. Paul tells his community through what is holding back the appearance of Christ. 
it's because the, the Jewish people still hasn't haven't converted during um, the the period of the universal restoration. And you were saying, and you were pointing then to when we had our show with um, uh, what's his name uh, that that he talked about how that uh, the first we have to have this period of evangelism. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah Desmond Birch. Yeah, Desmond, yeah, yeah that's, I, I that's, Charlie that's on the brain. Right, yeah. So Desmond was saying about that. Um, it's the time of the Antichrist cannot potentially be near yet because that you haven't had this uh, the preaching of the gospel to the ends of the earth through it in Matthew 24 through it it says that it's and this uh, gospel will be proclaimed to all nations and then the end will come so this is the thing that has to happen at the end of the period of the unbind of Satan is that the catechon is the restraining force that holds back the appearance of the Antichrist, but it's also St. Michael binding Satan originally when Christ ascended into hell. And Christ bound Satan through the Archangel Michael um, for until the thousand years is over. So that it comes back into Revelation 20. And then you have the, the period of the unbinding of Satan, which St. Augustine says will be followed by again, a time of restraint, which is the restrainer of Second Thessalonians. So it's the, the restraining force that's holding back the Antichrist is going to come back into play again at the time of, uh, at, at the end of the period of the unbinding of Satan. So you'll have the unbinding of Satan, which occurred, I think, at the, the beginning of the 20th century. And then at the end, the Catechon restrains the forces of Satan again to allow the, the proclamation of the, the gospel to the ends of the earth. So, uh, Doug, I'm sorry, but um, yeah, I'm a bullet points kind of guy, and I, I feel like I'm herding cats a little bit here. So, so maybe could you do a chronology of what, you know, kind of a easy to understand bullet yeah, point things so of what's gone because i know you talked about two pope leo and it wasn't 100 120 but it was 1560 and but yeah. then there's two of them and all this but is there is there a way you could help us all kind of understand and you pointed to 1899 and 1900 as well so could yeah. you kind of lead us uh, with some some uh clear bullet points of yeah, a yeah. chronology to let us know what's going on well it's and Matthew 24 gives the, the, the clearest, um, like, uh, and most, like, it, it's the shortest version of events is the little apocalypse. So you have, um, at the, the beginning of the time of the Unbinding of Satan, you have the, the wars and rumors of wars. Right. Um, and then, because the love of many grows cold, then right. you have a, a falling away from the faith. And then... The one who reaches the end of this time will um, be saved, and then the gospel this this gospel will be proclaimed to the ends of the earth, and then the end will come, and then it immediately reaches into the time of the Antichrist. So the proclamation of the gospel to the ends of the earth that's related to the catechon. So that's the, once that happens, you know that the time is near. So once the the restoration of the church happens, yeah. So how does this how does this line up then 
with Pope Leo and his vision of uh, the hundred years of of Satan in year eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. So uh, Matthew twenty four is lines up how? Yeah. So uh, with um, the vision of Pope Leo the thirteenth, it is uh, it's uh, the earliest version of that that we have is uh, recorded by Kevin Simmons um, in his book, um, Pope Leo and the, the Power of St. Michael. So it's a, I would definitely, if anybody's interested in this, I would, I would recommend going and buying Kevin Simmons' book um, to, to get to the nitty gritty of the historical details behind this. Um, and he he dug out the, the most, uh, uh, the, the earliest um, version of this, uh, the, the story behind Pope Leo's vision, and it says it, it put the duration of the unbeaten of Satan at fifty to sixty years, instead of like at, at before it was always thought it was just that like an urban legend. There was no real solid historical research about this until Kevin Simmons' book, um, and it's he discovers that there was a priest who. Um, called Father uh, Domenico Paganini, and he had uh, heard this from uh, Monsignor Ronaldo Agnelli, who was Pope Leo's secretary. So he got this more or less from the horse's mouth, and he, he had put the the period of the the unbinding of Satan at uh, fifty to sixty years for some reason. But um, the, the thing is that this lines up with the private revelations of uh, Blessed Aunt Catherine Emmerich, who also right. says that the, the, the unbinding of Satan, that Satan would be released with uh, 50 to 60 years before the 20th century. And so this is significant because uh, the sequel to Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ is going to be based on the, the private revelations of uh, Blessed Aunt Catherine Emmerich. Because the the Python of the Christ was originally based on um, these private right. revelations, so and the content of this uh, sequel is apparently going to be uh, based on uh, the descent of Christ into hell. So, I would like to see if it goes into any detail about uh, this um, through it. Blessed Aunt Catherine Emmerich's facing uh, and. Uh, I'd say I, I can read out from it here. I've got it uh, written down. Um, she seen many demons were chained down in a circle, which were placed around other circles. In the center of hell, I saw a dark and horrible looking abyss, and into this Lucifer was cast. After being first strongly secured with chains, thick clouds of sulfurous black smoke arose from its fearful depths and enveloped his frightful form in the dismal folds, thus effectively concealing him from every beholder. God himself had decreed this, and I was likewise told, if I remember right, that he will be unchained for a time, 50 or 60 years, before the year of Christ 2000. The, the dates of many other events were pointed out to me, which I do not now remember, but a certain number of demons are to be let loose much earlier than Lucifer in order to tempt men and to serve as instruments of the divine fences. I should think that some must be loosened even in the present day, 
and others will be set free in a short time. <clears throat> Emmett, mm-hmm. can can we get down to like real simple brass tacks, the unveiling of Satan. Mm-hmm. And we're talking from Leo the Thirteenth, um, fifty to sixty years, and you say that lines up with Saint or Catherine Emmerich, fifty yeah. to sixty years before the turn of the century. What does this unveiling of Satan look like specifically? Like we're talking about a releasing of demons, we're talking about an unveiling that we're all going to be able to see. I mean, Father, you know, you've talked a lot about you know evils overreaching right now. It's really being exposed lately. We're seeing in so many different areas. But I mean, if you can go back to the time period that that Leo the Thirteenth, you know, Secretary talked about 50, 60 years, the unveiling, define or describe a little more in detail the unveiling so people can understand, so we can understand what that looks like. Yeah, so uh, the period of the unveiling of Satan is described in uh, Revelation 20, where uh, uh, the archangel Michael comes down and, and opens the gates of hell, basically, to release a horde of demons in order to test the church. So it's it's a a test for the faith of the church and it's whether the the church can withstand this ultimate trial, which is the the period of the short time of Satan. Um, So um, it's marked by the the angel who comes down. Uh, He holds the key to the abyss. And if you look at Revelation 9, it, it is a, a diptych, a theological diptych with um, Revelation 20. And it describes what happens when the, the angel descends the earth with the key to the abyss. And so it says that um, it's with the fifth trumpet of uh, Revelation that the, the angel descends and he opens up the, the shaft of the abyss with the key, it's, it's a star falling to earth. So my argument in my book is that uh, the this star falling to earth is related to the Tunguska event. And it happened in 1909. It's the, the like, in human history, there's only been one really major event of like a, a star falling to earth. And it was an asteroid that uh, exploded over Russia, uh, Siberia, in 1909. And this occurred just at the, the very same time as the advancing of military aircraft. Can you, and can you, can you, I'm sorry, can you, what is the name of this event again, this star? The Ton, Tonguska event. Tonguska? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it happened in what year? 1909. 1909. Yeah. So okay. it, at the very same time as the invention of multi-airplanes. Um, so it's, if you look at Revelation 9, it says, uh, from the, the smoke of the shaft of the abyss, that locusts will emerge on the face of the earth. And it's apocalyptic locusts, which are uh, armor-clad, have teeth-like glands. Um, so it's it, it pretty, pretty much like uh, what you would see in World War Two, the the aircraft with uh, sharks teeth, nose art, and whatnot. Okay, this um, sounds this sounds like an apocalyptic movie. Yeah, You're talking was, about a star yeah. that falls out of the sky in Russia, 1909, or hits in Russia, 1909, and this yeah. this has to do with the 
the um, unveiling or opening yeah, of, of the abyss. Of the abyss. Yeah, so, the I mean, this, this is much more of a terrifying image, I think, than we think about. We just think, oh, we've got political problems. We've got problems with diplomacy between nations and wars. And you're saying that Revelation 20, Michael the Archangel, a key, opening the abyss, unveiling a, and releasing a horde of demons on the earth. Mm -hmm. And this actually lines up a little bit with, well, quite a bit, with Our Lady of Good Success from the like 1630s where she talks about a time period and that these prophecies would be discovered at the time that they would be, you know, really about, which were discovered in the early 1900s. And that we would find a time where, for example, she says um, almost no woman would know modesty and that, that impurity would flow through the streets like a filthy ocean. I mean, she describes this, this, this real heaviness of, of vice that will overtake the earth in many ways, and that these were steps that were necessary and are necessary for the purification of the church and the, re the resurgence of the church. It, does some of that line up with what you're talking about, Emmett? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just what, what you've described there. It does, it, it, it does sound very, very... Um... It, it it's just basically it, it aligns with that perfectly. Mm. Um, uh, but it it's the time period like from eighteen eighty nine. Um, so it, it the Book of Revelation it also talks about the the setting up of the throne of Satan. Um, and then you have other events as well, like uh, the Pergamon altar, um, was established in Berlin. The, the uh, Perg Pergamon altar, yeah. So it's in uh, at the at the start of the Book of Revelation, it, it in the seven letters to the uh, the angels, mm -hmm. um, it talks of the Pergamon altar as being the throne of Satan. And, and this was established in Germany, you say? Yeah, in Germany, it was discovered in uh, eighteen seventy nine, just round about the same time as the Nach operations, the, okay. the operations of our, our Lady of Nach, as okay. uh, those operations were occurring. You had these archaeological, or, um, these uh, this discovery um, mm -hmm. in Turkey, in Pergamon, the unearthed the throne of Satan, with um, and the relocated that and brought it to Germany in Berlin. Um, <clears throat> so. It, it was in 19, uh, 1900, the very year 1900, at the very start of this period, then you had this massive talisman basically established in Berlin. Um, and yeah, basically the gates of hell opening. Hmm. So... So, so who who established this Pergamon altar? I mean, has that been? It was just that... the, the German government. This, so this is pre um, the Nazis, uh, mm -hmm. pre uh, First World War. So, but w when you establish something like this in a, your land, then you're you're basically a portal to the hell. Basically. Okay, I, Father, I know I'm taking a lot of time, and I got one more question. Uh, I, I did in the beginning, so you're making up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm curious, Emma, with what you're Go saying. We are we're getting close to two years now, and Father Heilman and I have talked a lot about this personally, on the phone and off camera, and also in many podcasts. 
we are almost two years away from October 6th, where Sister Agnes Sasagawa receives that message from the angel saying to put on ash and pray rosary of repentance. And that was the day of the, I call it the Pachamama Synod, yeah. where Pachamama was brought in. And then, boom, this whole, this whole yeah. Wuhan flu thing, which has been yeah. manipulated and twisted. I mean, some call it a bioweapon, whatever. We are dealing with something that's massive here. Do you see correlation between that, as you just talked about, uh, yeah. you know, what happened in, well, in, in Germany as a portal, has this been a portal for us now? It seems to be because this happened 120 years later, after uh, 1900, and right. you get the, the throne right. yeah. established. So 120 years later, you have got <laughs> these mod events, like no masses, nobody mm. can go to mass. It's like the, the opening of the seventh seal were the silence in heaven through um and then uh it, it corresponds with the book of genesis where it, it says that after the watchers had uh copulated with human women and give uh rise to the race of the nephilim um so it, it it speaks of my god decreed the judgment uh of the flood after this event but it didn't take place until a hundred years later, after the, if you look at the chronology set out in the book of Genesis, it speaks, it says that Noah was 500 uh, during this event, and then the, the flood didn't occur until Noah was 600. But in uh, Genesis uh, 6, it says that my spirit will not abide with man forever. Uh, and by forever, it says in Hebrew, it's Olam, ha Olam. So it's the, not until the end of the eon. Um, so he says that my spirit will not abide with man until the end of the, e the, the eon. And uh, his time will be 120 years. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't really match up with what, uh, through the actual timing of Noah's flood, which occurred 100 years later. So you've got this 100 years time period and 120 years time period in Genesis concerned with uh, Noah's flood. And the thing about that is that uh, Christ says that as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be mm -hmm. at, at, at the time of the, the yeah. coming of the Son of Man. In our discussion, uh, you were uh, theorizing or... or but why there was a second period. So the first yeah. the first period was 50, 60 years. Mm -hmm. And then you you said, but, and then you it's, explained why there was a second one it, that totals up to this 120. Yeah. So when the, the book of Job, uh, Satan doesn't ask for just one attempt against That's right, uh, Job. Job. He, he asked for a second. Yep. So he, he, he wants to come back again and get more. So it's like if, if you double up on the 50 to 60 uh, yep. time period, then you've got like 100 to 120 years. Um, and again, uh, Kevin Simmons had, uh, <clears throat> it's, he discovered that one of the earliest accounts of uh, Pope Leo's vision was given by Cardinal Segura. No, it's Cardinal Segura. Um, he says that Satan, after his uh, first request, that he, he came back and he asked for more. 
So this is like one of the, the cardinals closest to um, the actual timing of uh, the events. He he basically confirmed this, that Satan would came back the Oz for 50 to 60 years more. So mm. then you, you have 100 to 120 years. And, and what, what's interesting too um, is this uh, sign in the sky, uh, Revelation 12 sign in the sky that mm-hmm. actually did appear. Uh, it was uh, on the Feast of the Immaculate. Wait a minute, how did it go? It was, uh, no, it was on the Feast of Christ the King, which mm-hmm. was the day the year of mercy ended, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. This sign appears in the sky. And as Patrick Archibald, he really got into it. And, and Pat, Patrick was in our group of discussion when we used to discuss yeah, that stuff. Right. But, yeah. Yep. And, um, but he um, he did a he did a great research and article on all this. Anyway, on um, on uh, November twentieth, uh, Feast of Christ the King, the King planet Jupiter goes into Virgo, essentially the womb of the Blessed Mother, and mm-hmm. stays there for then for nine and a half months, mm-hmm. which is equivalent to a late ter- late term uh, pregnancy. <coughs> Excuse me, and then comes out. Uh, 2017 on September 23rd, which is the Feast of Padre Pio, mm-hmm. and I have all kinds of uh, 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 beliefs of why why that was chosen. But anyways, it was just within days of the end of this, you know, hundred year period that would go from Fatima mm-hmm. to 2017 October 13th, the Miracle of the Sun. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I just found all that, but it does also line up with this 120 perfectly as well. Yeah, so, right. Because you've got a hundred year warning in relation to the flood, and then you've got 120 years where the spirit of God does not abide with man, or it it, it, it will not abide with man for 120 years. So it's like there is definitely there's something in this though. It's like before when we speaking about it before it's I didn't know any scriptural um, precedent for this but now you do have this precedent in the book of Genesis which is pretty amazing and that it corresponds to 100 uh, years and 120 years so Emmett and, could, I'm, I mean, let me just ask you this question do you see um, I mean as you watch things unfold I mean right now as we record this we're watching this, this major upheaval in Afghanistan. We're watching, you know, what's going on all over the world with the, the so-called pandemic, where, you know, all the twisting and manipulation and lies, the government problems, the, the uh, I mean, governments everywhere are starting to impose like an Australia martial law over things like this. I mean, there's this, this tyrannical sort of movement that seems to be happening. Yeah. There's talk of the great reset that we're unfolding all around us. You know, build back better, we're hearing left and right from different world leaders. Do you see all of these pieces as part of this prophecy uh, the unveiling of, of evil and the rise of evil. Do you see this as part of what's happening? Um, <clears throat> I, I see this as the the final throws through before um, Satan is actually bound again at at the end of the the, the time of the unbinding of Satan. So it's, I'm hoping and it, that this time, like the catacomb. The restraining force that holds back the Antichrist will be put in place again. 
So the restraint on force was taken away at the, the start of the, the unpainting of Satan. Uh, so it's like a lot of people uh, equated the Catechon with, uh, say, the Holy Roman Empire. So if you look at the, the start of World War One, you had it, it, it basically started with the collapse of the Habsburg um, dynasty. So it's, once you had the Holy Roman Empire taken out of the way, you have this period of the unbeing of Satan. Mm. Um, so it's, it's my theory is that it's potentially you will have like a, another political leader, hopefully, who will be able to lead us out of mm. this. And it, it's my theory is that the Catechon, it's related to the prophet Elijah. Um, because if you look at the catechism, it says about the, the, the conversion of the Jews being um, that it's basically related to uh, that's the only thing holding back the second coming of Christ. So it's the rest, the restrainer, which is holding back the second coming. So once you have the conversion of the Jews, then there's there's no more delay. Um, Christ will come swiftly, mm. um, and. The conversion of the Jews is related in Malachi um, chapter four with the prophet Elijah. So, when when you talk about the conversion of the Jews, what will that look like? Do you think? Well, it uh, in Romans eleven it happens in the wake of the bringing in of the fullness of the Gentiles. So it's what uh, you were talking about with Desmond Birch was that through it the the time of the Antichrist cannot possibly be near because you still haven't had this, the bringing in of the fullness of the Gentiles and the gospel being took to the ends of the earth. And it's only then that the end comes is because there's this delaying uh, the catechon. It's the restraining force that's holding everything back. Mm. But the catechon is also related to the, the time of the unbinding of Satan as well. So it's, it's, it comes at the end. So I'm thinking... We are hopefully on the verge of the restoration of the church and the period of peace promised by Our Lady of Fatima. You know, uh, uh, Emma, I I keep thinking about, and we're talking about the unveiling of Satan, 120 years, and for me, I, I always want to look at how that lines up. And I'm not a great historian, but I, I listen to a lot of great historians how that lines up about the formulation of what we know as the new world order or the ruling class mm -hmm. uh, in our world mm -hmm. and how they, you know, conspired with each other. And in, and, and, and in essence, they have taken charge. And yeah. to me, although the Katiakon almost is all the influence was primarily media universities, yeah. you know, how mm -hmm. that they're, that they're keeping, them concealed I, I just feel like that's that's it's 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 either a big part of it or yeah you know no, or, or the really. part of it so uh, and, and it just seems and i just want to end with this it just seems like that's about to crash and burn mm -hmm. because they have become so arrogant and so in our face and so tyrannical 
that there's an uprising right now and everybody's starting to, it's like the Kataeacon is being removed and people, it's no longer conspiracy theory. It's right in our face. And so they're being revealed. And to me, that's the satanic force in our world. Yeah. So if you look at um, Revelation 20, it describes the, the camp of the saints being encircled by the forces of Satan. And if you look at the, the earliest uh, uh the vision, the earliest details of the vision of Pope Leo Thirteenth, it concerns a vision of the forces of Satan surrounding Rome. So it's uh, Pope Leo Thirteenth at the same time he, he seen, he witnessed this vision, he seen uh, a horde of demonic entities surrounding the city of Rome. So that corresponds with um, the encirclement of the, the camp of the saints in uh, Revelation 20. At the end of the thousand years, it says that um, the basically the armies of the devil would surround the city of God, but that fire would come down from heaven and consume them. Mm. Um, so it's Pope Leo's vision is intimately concerned with this, and he also, uh, with his uh, encyclical Humanae Gen Generis, through it, it was about Freemasonry. So in 1884, that around the same time that he experienced this vision. It's, it, and if you look at Humanae Generis, it opens with, it's the people inside against Freemasonry. So it's, it's he's, he's basically detailing that this is what it's about. It's a struggle of the city of God with the city of the devil. You see, see, end, see. yeah, is, 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 this is what I'm seeing. <laughs> The the Kitaikon, I can see that how it, how how it restrains from being able to see the Antichrist. I think I don't know if I got that definition right, yeah. but but uh, w w one of the things that kept us kept everybody from seeing it as fact and only as conspiracy theory is that they stayed so well united, they would never turn on each other, and they would never deviate. And I think they're they're too. Uh, uh, strongest forces for keeping it that way was one pride. They wanted to be counted among the elite, but then the other was fear. They feared uh, ever being destroyed by the elite, the, their own elite. If they ever deviated from, from what they're trying to do from their mission, if you will, from their schemes or their plots. But, um, but look what's happened recently. Cuomo. I mean, they, they just turned on him, everyone. And now uh, with the whole Afghanistan thing, uh, there, there just seems like there's a turning going on there. They're breaking, they're, they're breaking apart. They're starting to get divided. That's something they never did. They were never divided. They stayed uh, close knit to each other. But that all seems to be breaking down. And I've, I've listened to again a lot of experts, and I, I, you know, I don't fully trust them. I don't know them as well enough. But they, they, they seem credible and experts. But this whole thing with the virus and the vaccine, how it's being politicized and all that. But 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 that is starting to leak out of what their ulterior motives and all that. And these people that I was listening to would are saying, once it does, the whole house cards is coming down. You know, and so it just seems like it's it's imminent because and here we are, you know, past the 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 260 years, the 120 years right now and and uh what, what do you think about that emmett yeah well it's i'm hoping that if god said that 
his spirit wouldn't abide with man for 120 years, that hopefully at this time we'll be able to get a new Pentecost. Yes. When the, the Holy Spirit will come back to help the church. Yes. So that's my hope anyway. Um, how that will line up with future events is anybody's guess, but we're going to hope and pray. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, how do you see what's happening within the church right now, lining up with everything that we're talking about here, where we see, you know, obviously we've seen so much um, with the scandals and, and then statements coming out of the Vatican that are just confounding people left and right, like just the recent motu proprio over the mass and so forth. I mean, mm -hmm. how do you see the church events specifically lining up with what you're saying here? Well, Satan um, in Luke 22, 32, he, he demands Peter to be sifted like wheat. And um, Jesus says that, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. So the the facing of Pope Leo Thirteenth is related to the sifting of Satan. This is why it, it, a Pope had this facing. It wasn't just any, like, like saint. Mm -hmm. it, it specifically had to be a Pope because it's to do with the sifting of, of Peter. Mm -hmm. And so Satan has demanded to sift Peter like wheat. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing... Peter being sifted like wheat. Mm. So, but we'll have to trust that Christ promises that the gates of hell will not prevail. And how, that, how do you see the third secret of Fatima tying in with these times? <clears throat> um, it's, well, that's difficult because like there is a, a portion of the third secret of Fatima that potentially has been held back. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people are saying that it's because that it's related to an apostasy, or apostasy at the top of the church, but that would contradict um, the indefectibility of the church as well. So um, we really don't know the contents of this purported hidden text. Um, again, I would I would recommend Kevin Simmons' book through for a, like a balanced critical take on that. Um, personally. Um, it's, I, I think it was held back because of details of a, a cataclysm, a common cataclysm. But mm -hmm. I, I don't believe that's imminent or that we all need to retreat under caves or anything. So, but um, it's, I think it's to do with um, the Canary Islands and uh, cataclysm related to that. That's my theory anyway. But the, the Canary the Islands? Of, yeah, yeah. And La Palma. Um, is that is that the mountain that, that's supposed to slide off or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were speaking about that in the last podcast. Um, mm. So it's, it's, if, if you look at Sister Lucy's uh, 1944 toy operation, that's basically what it's about. It's about um, the, a tsunami, which Pope John Paul II talked about at Fulda. That's why he says that it, he wasn't releasing the third secret of Fatima. was mm. because it contained the something to do with uh, millions being wiped out by a tsunami. Yeah, he said something about that in a, it was a German interview in 1981, I believe, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, where he said there were reports that millions would die from moment to moment with fire and flooding yeah. and so forth, something to yeah. that effect. Yeah. Um, and he said that we couldn't, we couldn't do away 
but we could mitigate. Now, I could be getting this mixed up with a 1976 statement that he made to the bishops in Philadelphia, or 76, I believe, before he became pope. But he said that, that we could mitigate with prayer and sacrifice um, the gravity and the impact of this this chastisement that would come, but but we couldn't we couldn't completely do away with it. Does that does yeah. that make does that sound right from what you've heard yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. I think that's why the third sugar that's being held back. I don't think it it the the talk about it in apostasy at the very top of the church lines up with the and the factibility of the church. Um, but I think that this is part of Satan's wager. He wants to see. He, he wants Peter to feel that is mm. Satan's end game. That's that. This is why, at the very end of the short time, Satan. This is why you're having these this turmoil in the church. It's because this is what it's all based on. It's Satan wants Peter to defect from the faith, and he wants us to believe that he has. Because if you strike the shepherd then the sheep are scattered. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is the ultimate source of division in the church. I don't, I don't know if this is trailing off or not, but mm -hmm. I continue to be fascinated that the Christmas star appeared mm -hmm. at the end of 2020. Yeah, me too. December 21st. So again, the 120 years, just at the end, and for me, and I can anybody can change my mind. Certainly, God can change my mind in this. But it was almost as if God was was feeding us something or, or teeing up something for us, an understanding. Because um, when you look at the last time that star appeared, it was almost 800 years prior to that in 1226. Yeah. And anybody can Google this. The two things that they point to that happened in 1226 mm -hmm. was one. St. Francis of Assisi went to eternal life. Okay, so it points to St. Francis of Assisi. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is that the uh, Catholic practice of adoration, Eucharistic adoration, moved out of the monasteries and went out into the parishes, literally went viral, the practice of Eucharistic adoration. And so we're getting this just at the tail end of this 120. And it almost is like, and there's a, there, one of my favorite quotes from uh, St. Francis of Assisi is this, Man should tremble, the world should quake, all heaven should be deeply moved when the Son of God appears on the altar in the hands of the priest. And it just seems like um, what we've lost, especially with this, um, this unleashing of Satan during this 120 years, was the sense of the sacred, the supernatural. We we started we started being supernatural deniers, and um and, and that obviously came into how we worshipped, you know, it was a fun and games and entertainment and a Broadway musical, but it certainly wasn't fall to our knees in, in awe and wonder uh, during that period of time, at least the the last sixty years, um and and God is saying, get on your knees, especially in adoration. I, I, I can tell you, and God's revealed this to me too. I'm a priest 33 years. I'm going to tell you that right now, I'm going to estimate that 80 to 90% of every story I've ever heard of conversions was people who stumbled across somehow. The, uh, it, they found themselves in Adoration Chapel or in a church before the Blessed Sacrament. Adoration was the primary way 
in the la- in these last few years that people were getting were receiving conversion. The other thing that's that's happening too, and again, this gets to you know uh, the world should quake and heaven should be deeply moved. The Son of God appears in the altar. That's what's happening in the phenomena we're seeing right now with the traditional Latin Mass, and I I, I bring in that too. The 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 Novus Ordo done the way. Uh, the, in its purest form, uh, before the progressive bishops started adding stuff after the council, uh, that too has that same impact. It, it, and, and what does it do? It's like you tear through a veil, adoration, uh, a reverent mass. You tear through a veil into what? Into the divine life. And now you're open to, to and you're believing in the supernatural power of God. And so he gives us this Christmas star. On December 21st, 2020, at the end of the 20, uh, 120 years, I just think that's significant. What do you think about that? Yeah, it, it's amazing. It's, I didn't even realize about the significance of the Christmas star until I read on your website. And it's just, it, it's amazing how it lines up so perfectly yeah. with the stuff that I had written about in my book. And that was in 2016, I published that. Right. Um, and then all you have all these events that are all lining up, right? Um, it, it's crazy. And then you've got this that the church is at probably its most divided since the Arian mm. heresy, right at this very moment. Right. So it's like something has to give. Yeah. Mm. You remember too? I said that uh, I was hoping with the um, with my homily, my sermon for uh, this past Sunday, the assumption that the Magnificat was part of it. And here's why this portion of the, of the Magnificat ready this line, he has mercy on those who fear him. And I've been preaching about this ad nauseum. I mean, my, my, my peeps are probably sick of me talking about it, but that's that tearing through the veil. You receive that first, I call it the gateway gift of, of the Holy spirit of awe and wonder or fear of the Lord. And I teach, too, that biblical fear is afraid of offending the one that you think is so awesome and that you love so much. It's not that he's going to belt you over the head, but biblical fear is that. You're afraid of offending him. That's what happens when you get when you get into that awe and wonder through Eucharistic adoration, through a sacred uh, 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 transcendent mass. Uh, all of a sudden you're going, you're amazing, God, I love you. I, I want to live my life just to please you. See what I'm saying? That's, and he has mercy on those who fear him in that way. But then it goes on. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast on the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. Okay. We're, we are hoping and praying right now that this ruling class, this new world order, this tyranny that we're under right now, uh, it is, is it, that it, it, it comes, it's, they scatter the proud in their conceit. They cast down the money from their thrones. I, I just think, and I, I'm a hopeful person. I think it's imminent. I, I think it's days, weeks at most that that there's going to be uh, this 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 um, house of cards coming tumbling down. But I tend to be naive and hope my hopefulness. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emmett, before we wrap this up, we just, you know just got a little bit left here. What? What's your, I guess, encouragement? Your, I don't want to say maybe advice. Your, your, you know, what you, what message you would want to get out to the audience? You know, being someone who has studied this, 
you know, and then take into account what fatherhood just said, you know, about, you know, do we have days, weeks, months? I mean, I know we don't know the exact time of God when it comes to these things, but I mean, I see what father's saying. I feel the same way. I'm, I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop the shoe. That's going to hopefully really turn things or wake people up. But I also domino. believe a domino effect. Yeah. yeah. But I also believe that just as we saw with the prophecy of Fatima of world war two, um, there is always upheaval and chaos as we're seeing right now in Afghanistan, just, I mean, the Taliban's going door to door and they're looking for people who had cooperated with the U S they're, 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 they're enslaving women again and, and raping and murdering and dragging bodies to this. I mean, this unreal within six days, you know, Kabul fell. I mean, the, the, what we're seeing and the speed with which we're seeing these things is is really, it's devastating, it's disheartening, and I agree with Father. I, how much more time, and none of us knows, but with all of this, in final moments here, what, what are your thoughts as a, you know, as a prayerful, God-fearing, faithful Catholic man who studied this stuff extensively? You know, what advice, what encouragement, what, what view do you see that you could share with people to give some hope, some encouragement, um, but also some realistic, I mean, let's not paint some pie-in-the-sky picture, you know, when the Blessed Mother said there'll be a second war if you don't stop offending God, that was a pretty brutal war. I mean, World War II, you know, or the genocide of Rwanda that was prophesied to the children there, to the teenagers there. That was unreal, that genocide. But here we are um, dealing with all of this. What, what, do you, what do you say about all of this to the people? Well, we'll have to be realistic. So a lot of people think that uh, the time of the, the period of peace promised by Our Lady of Fatima is going to be some kind of universal uh, period of utopia on earth. That's not going to happen ever because our Lord says that the the wheat must exist alongside the towers right up until the second coming. And then the sheep will be separated from the goats. So we'll have to be realistic what they expect during the restoration of the church. And it may be a long, tedious road to get there, but we'll have to, to continue the march, like St. John Bosco's march of the 300 days. We need to come back to, to Rome and to be singing the Te Deum. Um, so, and we need to be united. Everybody mm, together. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that right there, I think, I think Emmett, is a key thing about being united. We're right. The division, and Father, you've talked a lot about this, about you know Satan being such a great divider. We are so broken yep. and so fractured, you know, and, and even this whole, this whole pandemic has created even more, you know, segregation and class warfare and, and high-risk group, low-risk group, and, and there's, there's yelling and fighting with, even within families. You know, I know families that, well, one family in particular, you know, where, where they're, one has had, to, not had to, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't condone it, but I mean, has lied to a spouse and a child about, you know, getting, getting the shot in order for them to be willing to be around this family member. I mean, it, it's just, it's unreal, the division. So I think what you said there is so key about being united, but I mean, how do we do that in these times? Yeah. Father, Emmett. Yeah, well, I, I've been trying really hard. Like we doing these um, Thursday night heal our land holy hours yes. in my parish. Awesome. awesome. And we started it May 13th and we're going all the way to October 7th and we're meeting every Thursday night. 
but it's a glorious time of, of adoration, praying the rosary in the church. And the church is foolish every, every week. And then we come out afterwards and just enjoy each other's company. And we have just incredible discussions. We're solving all the problems of the world, but it's all faith-based. Um, and, and the other thing too, is that I, I have a strong urge to want to connect with my Christian brothers and sisters, at least the ones that are following, actually following the word of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm working at that as well. I, I, you're right. We need to be united right now. And um, I, you know, when they say set aside your differences, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, we should be okay with gay marriage and killing babies. And, you know, and, and that, that's right. not what I'm talking about. Right. But, um, but in fact, I'm, 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 I've got a, a couple of pastors that I've already reached out to. And anyways, my point though, is that this is a time for all of us to galvanize. To, to, to come together uh, and to be on our knees, okay, before our God, you know, it's, uh, it's it, it, walk humbly with our, with our God or, the, or 2 Chronicles 7, 14, you know, seek my face. If you humble yourself and seek my face and turn from your evil ways, then I will hear you from heaven uh, and I'll heal your land. Um, that's, that's our, I think, our, our eggs have to be in that basket. You know, that we 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 repent. We're, we're, we, you know, all this stuff that we, no, I call, I keep calling it normalizing evil. We just accept it as okay. Uh, mm -hmm. We can't do that anymore. We repent of all that, Lord. Please, please have, have mercy on us. Uh, we fall to our knees and we're calling out to you and we're seeking your face. And, and, and please, please hear our prayer and heal our land. Well, and if you think about it, that is actually one of the key things that the Blessed Mother and all of her, again, church-approved apparitions, especially in the last hundred years, has said over and over. It's about conversion. It's about repentance. And, yes. and th these chastisements come when Jonah. we when we when we when we stop when we don't when we when we offend God. That's when it comes. You know, right. we've got to wake up to that reality that we have to turn our turn our, our our ways back to God. Yeah. You know. Em, and I appreciate so much the work that you do that you spend time studying this. I mean, I I've spent a lot of years talking about studying the Marian apparitions and the prophecies and so forth and other times you lose sleep over it because you you you've got all this in your head. I can't imagine you've delve much deeper into these things. You know, you're like the uh the um, elves who dug too deep. It was it the elves who dug <laughs> the trolls, who the dwarves, the dwarves. Yeah, they went too yeah. deep into the mines of Mordia, you know. <laughs> but you know, you've dug so deep into this over the years. This has just got to be mind-boggling to you. And then when you see yeah. things unfolding in the news, it's just got to. It's it's. There's got to be times you're just sitting on the edge of your bed, just thinking, "Oh boy, here it comes." Yep. Big time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Emmett, this has been amazing. And yeah. uh, thank you so much for having me on out again. Because this is because we gotta unpack all this stuff that's going on. But uh yeah. I hope all our viewers enjoyed this as much as Doug and I have. And yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you for being with us. All right, let's end with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Emmett. God, God bless, bless you, brother. You.